The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Scott Black Johnston during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston. Let us pray. Gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds so that as your scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, we might hear with joy what it is that you are trying to say to us this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs, beginning with the 10th verse. Listen now for God's word to you. A woman of valor who can find She is far more precious than jewels. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen. And purple. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Mother's Day. As far as holidays go, Mother's Day has a lot to commend it, but it is not an uncomplicated day. Toss the words, Mother's day into your favorite internet search engine, and it will become clear that our society approaches this day in three different, very different ways. First, it's clearly an opportunity to sell you something to give to mom. Flowers, chocolate, and brunch top the list. Second, it's a time for expressing gratitude. Cards and texts and phone calls abound. There are all sorts of witty poems and stories on the internet celebrating moms. You can find them, change them around a little bit, and send them on. And finally, in our third category, Mother's Day proves to be a tough day for some. There are numerous online articles and blog posts 
that lament the challenging parts of Mother's Day. I think all three of these reactions to the day are important. Each deserves some comment. So this morning, let's start by considering people's discomfort with the day and work our way back toward the white carnations. For some, Mother's Day is difficult. If you had or have had a bad relationship with your mother, if you've lost your mother, or if you've wanted to be a mother and for whatever reason that's not happened, Mother's Day can stir up some pretty challenging feelings. Our holidays tend to suggest that that when we get together to celebrate, what we want to celebrate is the perfect. The perfect Thanksgiving turkey, the perfect family sitting around the fire, singing Christmas carols, the perfect mother getting breakfast in bed. Being human, we cannot help but compare. Does does my life measure up to that pristine picture? And when the answer is no, it stings. Given that the church is in the holy day, if not holiday business, our community experiences dynamics like this all the time. And Christmas may be the worst. It's a psychologically and spiritually challenging season when you're being told, relentlessly told, that it's the most wonderful time of the year and you don't feel anywhere close to wonderful, it's a tough place to stand. And Mother's Day shares some of those same dynamics. This past week, I read a piece by a 20-something blogger. A few years ago, she lost her mother. In the blog, this young woman declared that she would never again wish anyone a happy Mother's Day. The greeting brought to mind both painful memories and missed opportunities for her. Every picture of brunch with mom posted to a friend's Instagram account caused her to wince. It would be nice, the writer suggested, if we could simply do away with the holiday Mother's Day causes too much collateral anguish. I've thought a lot about this young woman's blog and her pain, her sense of loss. Every Tuesday, the clergy of this church meet in a room upstairs to discuss pastoral situations. We talk about the hard things that members of this community are going through. We strategize on ways to help, and we pray for all of you. During these weekly conversations, we pay close attention to the calendar. We know that so-and-so who lost his wife last year is going to struggle on Thanksgiving. He's going to look around the table and feel a keen sense of loss. We know that so-and-so who recently went through a divorce is going to find Mother's Day to be strange and sad and difficult. You know these things, too. You know that holidays bring sadness as well as joy to family and friends. So what should we do? I don't think, of course, that we should ban our celebrations. I say this 
because, because when you're in a tough place, it's simply not a healthy thing to want to stand in the way of somebody else's joy. As Christians, as those who follow the suffering servant Messiah, we know this. We wrestle here with the question, how can I do healthy things with my pain? We know that suffering can turn hearts bitter, but we also know that suffering has the potential to focus us on the important and the good. And this is a hard but real truth. I think there's another elemental truth that can help us navigate the minefields that come with our important holidays. And it goes like this. Things change. We change. The people around us change. The young woman who wrote that blog could find herself someday on the receiving end of a Happy Mother's Day card. It's possible. It's not inevitable. Her life might play out in other ways, but still, I would wager good money that this writer's feelings about Mother's Day will change. Her, her understanding of the day will become layered. Every trip that we make around the sun, every time we, we find ourselves returning again to some holy day, our accrued experiences add to its meaning. And eventually, it dawns on us. Every holiday has both joy and sadness clinging to it. Every holiday lifts up things worthy of celebration. And every holiday is perfumed with poignancy. These days make us aware of the broken places and losses around us and inside us. What does this mean when it comes to Mother's Day? Well, it's actually, I think, quite simple. We should celebrate this day, and we should remember those among us who, for a variety of reasons, find this celebration challenging. The key to today, I think, is to hold each other with a little bit of mercy. We can sprinkle mercy around us. Usually, everyone ends up okay. So, what should we celebrate today? I think this is a fascinating question. Some critics argue, on a cultural level, that Mother's Day does more harm than good. One group claims that Mother's Day revolves around unhelpful and antiquated notions about what it means to be a woman. And others see Mother's Day as a trap. Under the guise of celebrating women, the holiday projects vistas of motherly perfection that make mere mortals feel inadequate. Some of you out there are nodding, and some of you are wondering can't we just celebrate mothers and not turn today into another cultural controversy? Is Mother's Day really that messy? On one level, I'm afraid it is. Mother's Day has to do with gender. 
And gender roles and gender norms are among the most complicated and disputed topics in our society. Mother's Day is not going to get a pass. But does Mother's Day deserve all the criticism that's been heaped on its doorstep? To answer, let's start with a little American history. It's clear, I think, that Mother's Day was not established by individuals hoping to advance old gender stereotypes or to guilt people for failing to live up to some standard of motherly perfection. Back in 1870, the first voice to call for a Mother's Day was Julia Ward Howe. Howe, the voting rights advocate and hymn writer, wanted to bring together women who had lost children during the Civil War. Howe wanted to start a conversation among women about the cost of violent conflict and ways to campaign for peace. Later, in 1908, another woman, Anna Jarvis, made a somewhat different argument for Mother's Day. Jarvis wanted to celebrate her own mother, a nurse who worked fighting tuberculosis and poverty in rural West Virginia. To honor her mom's important work, Jarvis distributed white carnations to everyone who came to church on one Sunday in the spring, and, and people really liked that symbolism. They liked saluting the heroic efforts of women with white flowers for all. And, and thanks to Jarvis, congregations all across West Virginia began adopting the practice, and before long, churches all over the country were doing it. Seeing this, in 1913, five years later, Congress declared the second Sunday in May to be Mother's Day. The historic roots of today's holiday are not embedded in gender stereotypes. They arise out of stories about war and thoughts of peace, they arise out of one woman's advocacy for health care. But of course, as we noted earlier, things change. Over time, some fundamentalist Christians have tried to turn Mother's Day into a more narrow view of womanhood. And some even argue that today's text, Proverbs 31, provides scriptural warrant for doing this. I don't think that makes sense, but before we get there, I want us just to kind of take a look at this passage because it's a beautiful passage. The first thing we might observe about Proverbs 31 is that there are two important things that this text does not say about women. First, it does not say that a woman derives her worth from a man. Sadly, there are places in Scripture that suggest otherwise, but not here. In this text from Proverbs, a woman is praised for her agency, her actions, her choices, her power, her worth, 
her reason for existing is not derivative. Second, this text does not say anything about physical appearance. Given that our society is absolutely obsessed with appearance, especially women's appearance, this text is surprising. The passage doesn't say anything about surfaces, skin, hair, body types. And while Proverbs 31 does comment on the woman's garments, fine linen, it's clear that the primary focus of this passage is not fashion, but on the woman's generative actions. She buys, she creates, she makes clothes. The woman in today's passage has agency. She is described from the outset, that, that first portion of verse 10, she's described as a woman of valor. Eshet Shail in Hebrew. She is a strong individual, an empowered person. She's a role model, an influencer. The week after Easter, Amy and I went to see the movie Avengers Endgame. Thanks to a careful, self-imposed media blackout, I managed to walk into the screening without having any spoilers in my head. And don't worry, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to wreck it for you either. I will say, however, that there's a scene in the movie in which a number of female superheroes stand together in battle. It was an exciting moment for my wife Amy and me. Exciting because of what was happening on the screen, but also exciting because of what happened in the seat right in front of us. Sitting in front of us was a young girl, I would guess about seven years old. And when she saw the costumed woman stand together, arrayed against the powers of death, she raised her fist in the air and shouted, yes, girl power. <laughs> I don't think we can underestimate the importance that images of strong, generative women have for girls. And on this front, Proverbs 31 delivers. Hopefully, we can all agree on that. Where we may not agree, though, is whether superheroes, be they Avengers or women of valor, are ultimately helpful as role models. A few years ago, Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, took a lot of criticism for suggesting that a truly successful woman can, if she focuses herself in the right ways, if she, if she works hard enough, a truly successful woman can have it all. You can do it. You can manage a high-powered and lucrative career, care for a family, have a healthy romantic relationship, and be both physically and emotionally fit. The critics piled on. Yes, well... When you're a billionaire and you have a flotilla of staff to help run your household and pick up the kids while you work at one of the world's most profitable companies, it might seem like you can have it all. 
But let's get real. The whole you can be a superwoman if you just try hard enough is a trap. We can't have it all. And ultimately, Sandberg herself admitted this. After losing her husband in a tragic accident, Sandberg confessed to physical and emotional exhaustion. Even she couldn't make it happen as a single parent. There weren't enough hours in the day. Some people say the same thing about Proverbs 31. It makes them feel exhausted. This woman is a real estate agent. She buys land. She's a farmer. She plants a vineyard. She's tough. Her arms are strong because no doubt she's been going to the gym and lifting the kettlebells. She's turning a profit in her store. She's weaving clothes. She's caring for the poor. She's co-chairing the local benefit for homeless families. This is Wonder Woman. Maybe. Some look at Proverbs 31 and sigh, oof. It's hard to measure up to that. This text holds up mighty high standards. Or so I thought, until a wonderful writer named Rachel Held Evans changed my mind. R.H.E. pointed out something simple but critical to reading this passage correctly. Proverbs 31, she said, is a performance. It's a poem being spoken out loud. It's not a blueprint telling all women how to be women. It's a snapshot of one particular fellow honoring his wife. Do you see the difference? It, it, it's one thing to hang a poster on a wall that says, if you want to be a faithful woman, a good woman, you must act like this, dress like this, and do this. It's an entirely different thing if a person says, this is what I treasure and value about you. This is why I'm in awe of you. It's one thing to say, you need to be Wonder Woman. It's an entirely different thing to hear your best friend say, yes, queen, you amaze me. You're a superhero. You're a woman of valor. A shet shail. In the Orthodox Jewish tradition, married men memorize Proverbs 31. And every Sabbath, they sing this poem to their wives as a way to honor them. Viewed through that lens, Proverbs 31 seems less like finger-wagging, less like an impossible standard, less like something that restricts, and, and more like a tribute more like Paul McCartney sitting down at a piano and singing. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love you. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you pull me out of time. 
You hung me on the line. Maybe I'm amazed at the way I really need you. I'm going to stop there because otherwise <laughs> Dr. Jackson's going to jump down here and tackle me. <laughs> I think Mother's Day wants us to do two things. It wants us to be gentle toward those who find the day difficult. And it wants us to take our cues from, from Julia Ward Howe and, and, and Anna Jarvis and, and some ancient song from the book of Proverbs. Today is a day to give tribute, to, to pass out white carnations and, and girl power buttons and to sing of all the qualities we see in the women that we know and love that amaze and, and, and inspire us, qualities that are, that are luminous and, and sacred, qualities that simply must come from God, our Holy Mother. Go from this place, my friends, out into Mother's Day, and as you go bearing your white carnations, Think about those women in your lives who have inspired you and give thanks to God and thanks to them for so doing. Go from here trusting in the love of God, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and clinging to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address, worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8333. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Thank you and God bless.